Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies. We'll be talking about uh, annual average uh, worker-employer contributions to premiums and total premiums for family coverage and single coverage at, uh, in, through, uh, through work. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. It is October the 19th, and on this day in 1781, hopelessly trapped at New Yorktown, Virginia, British General Lord Cornwallis surrendered 8,000 British soldiers and seamen to a larger Franco-American force, effectively bringing an end to the American Revolution. Lord Cornwallis was one of the most capable British generals of the American Revolution. In 1776, he drove General George Washington's Patriot forces out of New Jersey, and in 1780, he won a stunning victory over General Horatio Gates' Patriot Army at Camden, South Carolina. Cornwallis' subsequent invasion of North Carolina was less successful, however, and in April 1781, he led a weary and battered troops towards uh, the Virginia coast, where he could maintain seaborne lines of communication with the large British army of General Henry Clinton in New York City. After conducting a series of raids against towns and plantations in Virginia, Cornwallis settled in the tidewater town of Yorktown in August. The British immediately began fortifying the town in the adjacent promontory of uh, Gloucester Point across the York River. General George Washington instructed the Marquis de Lafayette, who was in Virginia with the American army of around 5,000 men, to block Cornwallis and his escape from Yorktown by land. In the meantime, Washington's 2,500 uh, troops in New York were joined by a French army of 4,000 men under Count de Rochambeau. Washington uh, Rochambeau made plans to uh, attack Cornwallis with the assistance of a large French, French fleet under the Count de Grasse. And on August the 21st, they crossed the Hudson River to march towards Yorktown. Covering 200 miles in 15 days, the Allied forces reached the head of the Chesapeake Bay in early September. Meanwhile, a British fleet under Admiral Thomas Graves failed to break French naval superiority at the Battle of Virginia Capes on September the 5th, denying Cornwallis' expected reinforcements. Beginning September the 14th, Degrassi, uh transported Washington and Rochambeau's men down the Chesapeake to Virginia, where they joined Lafayette and completed the encirclement of Yorktown on September the 28th. <clears throat> Degrassi landed another 3,000 French troops carried by his fleet. During the first two weeks of October, the 14,000 Franco-American troops gradually overcame the fortified British positions with the aid of Degrassi's warships. A large British fleet carrying 7,000 men, uh, uh, came in and uh, surrounded the British. As British and uh, Hessian troops marched out of sur to surrender, the British band played the song The World Turned Upside Down. 
Though the uh, war persisted on the high seas and other theaters, the Patriot victory at Yorktown effectively ended fighting in the Brit- American colonies. Peace negotiations began in 1782, and on September the 3rd, 1783, the Treaty of Paris was signed, formally recognizing the United States as a free and independent nation after eight years of war. That's the story of the victory of the American Revolution in Yorktown. Well, annual, I forgot to mention this yesterday. I had uh, E.B. Yarnell on the show. We were talking about Sunlight Home of Collier County doing a terrific job. And uh, they provide, uh, they help uh, the cycle of, break the cycle of poverty and abuse for pregnant women and teens uh, through a God-centered environment. Well, <clears throat> they're having a benefit coming up on uh, October the 28th, and I wanted you to be aware of it. The speaker is going to be Pam Tebow. Pam is the mother of Tim Tebow, and uh, of course, coming from a very religious family, you know Tim and, and his spirituality. Well, the, the event is going to be on Saturday, October the 28th at the Players Club at Laleyville Resort, and I hope you'll support First of all, visit uh, the, the website sunlighthome.org to find out more if you didn't hear yesterday's show, but also it's a, a great organization to support. Uh, so uh, for more information, again, the website is sunlighthome.org. Uh, well, U.S. Uh, stocks yesterday closed lower, uh, and uh, Treasury yields notched a 16-year high. Average of 30-year fixed mortgage rates reached 8% for the first time since mid-2000. So I remember the day back when we had uh, 8% mortgages. <clears throat> this is really a shame what's happened right now in the American economy. And the consequence of this is we're seeing very low home sales uh, because people just can't afford the mortgages. Plans are underway to close offices across the $25 billion international network of grant-making nonprofit founded by billionaire George Soros. Bloomberg reported that employees of the Open Society Foundation's Africa operations received written notice last week outlining the next steps of the process, which had been announced in June. These steps include closing half a dozen offices in Africa, in addition to its Baltimore and Barcelona locations, according to a copy of the emails obtained by Bloomberg. The moves will result in a reduction of more than 40% of its workforce. Who came after Soros confirmed in June that he had handed over control of his company to his son, Alex Soros. Over the years, the elder Soros has donated more than $32 billion in not to the snot profit, which at the end of 2021 had more than 500 employees and donated money to humanitarian causes and initiatives involving criminal justice reform and address climate change. Of course, uh, if you're on... <clears throat> The way I think about things, uh, he was basically making things worse for everybody involved. The Associated Press, of course, he's funded uh, the whole notion of having these uh, uh, attorneys uh, general and uh, state attorneys that uh, do not enforce the law and do not, uh, you know, uh, assign uh, penalties for the crimes that are committed. The Associated Press reported in August that Open Society Foundation plans to significantly curtail work in Europe and lay off much of the staff on the continent, the foundation's leaders told the staff in Berlin, according to an internal email. Uh, The planned European cuts, as well as internal email viewed at the Associated Press, would represent an historic break with roots of Soros support for civil society through education, human rights work, and policy research. 
Now, I don't know if this is driven by financial reasons or a change in uh, rationale and uh, policy, but irrespective, it's good news, I think, for people around the globe that uh, the Soros type of work is being uh, curtailed and disconnected, at least in some parts of the world. Well, U.S. officials announced new restrictions on semiconductor exports to China yesterday. The Biden administration's latest strategic attempt at slowing China's advanced chip-making capacity, leading American chipmakers Nvidia and Intel, Intel, which uh, view China as a major source of growth, saw the shares drop over the news. China currently leads the world in the construction of new semiconductor factories as it looks to dominate the global market for older basic chips, which are present in nearly every consumer electronic product, from smartphones to laundry machines. The Biden administration views advanced chips, those with transistor lines smaller than 7 nanometers, 10,000 times smaller than the human hair, as so-called force multipliers, a foundational technology key to developments in artificial intelligence, weapon systems, and quantum computing. The latest rule expands previous restrictions by increasing scrutiny of gray zone chips designed to circumvent the ban, as well as prohibiting exports to China via third parties or subsidiaries. It's good that uh, we're taking a look at this chip making. Chip making is just such an important ingredient to our national security. And uh, glad that uh, we're taking these steps to prohibit and uh, limit China's participation in uh, chip making around the globe. Well, Representative Jim Jordan was defeated again in his bid to become the Speaker of the House after receiving 199 votes in the second round of balloting yesterday, down from 200 votes he received the first round, and still shy of the 217 votes needed. The House returns today to find a path forward. The 59-year-old Judiciary Committee chair said he plans to remain in the Speaker race despite his two losses. A group of bipartisan housemakers have reportedly discussed empowering Speaker pro tempore Patrick Henry and expanding his currently limited powers to resume leg- the legislative business. The House will uh, has been in a standstill since McCarthy was removed as Speaker uh, two weeks ago. The race to find a House Speaker comes as potential U.S. government shutdown is a month away. So I think it was a good thing that uh, McCarthy was removed. Uh, there's a, a clear statement that if you don't follow uh, or the rules of the House of Representatives and, and break your agreements with the House members, uh, that you're going to be recalled from the Speaker's role. Uh, hopefully somebody will get in that role. It doesn't matter who it is, but uh, follow the rules and make sure that we have a budget to submit to the Senate uh, and uh I think whoever is willing to do that should probably be our next speaker. And here's how uh, things really work in the speaker's race. Why is uh, Representative Mike Rogers so opposed to the prospect of Speaker Jim Jordan even pledging to work with Democrats to stop the Trump-endorsed candidate? In short, Representative Rogers, the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, is bought and paid for by the defense industry. He was the top recipient of uh, weapons industry contributions into the 2022 election cycle at a hefty figure of over $440,000. Some of his top contributors include Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, and uh, L3 Harris Technologies. Forbes even called him the arms industry dream representative the same industry that desperately wants to aid Ukraine to continue. 
What's more, his former uh, decades-long chief of staff, senior advisor, and legislative director handling all national security policy issues, Andy Kaiser, departed Representative Rogers' office to become a lobbyist at National Navigators Global LLC. A senior principal at the firm said uh, since 2017, Navigator Global LLC is a registered lobbyist on behalf of the Ukrainian government. As of April 2022, Kaiser's firm represents the Committee on National Security, Defense, and Intelligence uh, of uh, Ukraine, providing government relations uh, consulting, public advocacy, and education. And see, this is exactly what's wrong with Washington right now. Uh, this, <laughs> this, uh, this guy has no uh, basic uh, issue with uh, Jim Jordan. It's just that Jim Jordan doesn't support uh, the reason why he's uh, and Mike Rogers is not he's not supporting uh, the issues that uh, that uh, he needs to support it, so he's going to uh, obstruct the election of Jim Jordan. Again, I come back to this fact that we have uh, the very best government that money can buy. It's unfortunate, but uh, K Street and uh, all the lobbyists have so much power in Washington D.C. that it affects things like even choosing uh, the Speaker of the House. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder and CEO of a terrific organization. It's the Citizens uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Uh, we have with us Keith Law. He's the co-founder and CEO of the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, certainly. Uh, we're a, a coalition of uh, well over 260,000 people now here in Florida and over 100 grassroots groups uh, that work together. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education. Uh, to us, that means uh, fighting the indoctrination, uh, supporting parental rights, uh, supporting uh, school choice. Uh, so we get involved in all those kinds of issues that uh, affect our kids. Terrific organization. GoFLCA.org is the website. GoFLCA.org. I hope you check it out. Make a contribution because the work they're doing is just, in the last decade, they've just created a tremendous traction in Tallahassee with the governor, with the legislature, with the commissioner of education, and really has worked to improve our public schools here in Florida. So GoFLCA.org. Keith, I know it's the third... A uh, week of uh, meetings, I've forgotten the term now that they use, but uh, the committee meetings up in the uh, in Tallahassee. And things are, right now they're making sausage up there. So how's it going for you and how's it going for the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance? Well, it's always a, a, a challenging time. Uh, you know, the calendar started back in September with the first committee week and then there's uh, two this month, uh, two next month, one in December and then uh, session starts on January 9th. Um, the, the, the legislators are really <clears throat> right now uh, working through the, the priorities. Um, from an education point of view, it's probably going to be a more challenging year than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were so many things done last year, and with all of these legislators running for election and the governor running for president, it's... Uh, you know, we're beginning to hear, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of, uh, I don't want to, uh, a slow season when it comes to education. So we'll have to see. Uh, we've got a number of things that we're working on. Um, the, the way the process works is you've got to find sponsors for your bills, and we've got a number that we're work- a number of them that we're working on. Uh, you have to have the bills into bill writing by the 17th of, of uh, November, <clears throat> where the bills don't get, uh, don't have a chance. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're working uh, to try to get sponsors for a couple bills. We've talked a little bit about them in some of our past sessions, but we're really uh, focused on, uh, you know, trying to get rid of the, uh, get rid of some of the loopholes in our criminal statutes for this sexually explicit material. Um, we're working on trying to get uh, 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 some sponsorship for that. 
Uh, I think we've got a reasonable chance at that one. Uh, we're also working on expanding the HOPE scholarship. Uh, I know we've talked about that on your show. It's such a powerful um, um, opportunity for parents to take charge of the kids' education. But right now, if a parent wants to flee the government schools, they could only use that scholarship money to go to a private school. We'd like to make it available for those parents to homeschool their children as well. So uh, those are a couple of the highlights. There's certainly some other things uh, we're working on um, along with other groups. Uh, you know, we're going to be focused on social-emotional learning, uh, the implications that has on some of these crazy surveys that the school districts are doing. Um, uh, that, that really they, they're, they're asking questions for, of kids without any parental involvement that just don't make any sense. Um, so those are some of the kinds of things we're involved with, Bob. Well, you know, uh, the, uh, of course, private school is an is a, uh, interesting choice, but also you've got some hybrids uh, there that include uh, my, uh, micro schools and some other things that uh, before you get to homeschooling, uh, the, are those options available for uh, the scholarship? Um, that's, uh, I'm going to say yes, but with a caveat. Uh, if you're uh, starting a microschool, the parents that are in those microschools, uh, depending on which curriculums they want, they can use the scholarship money uh, to purchase some of those curriculums. Uh, most of the ones that we're working with and, su and, and supporting through our microschool program are available for the parents to use that money to, uh, to support. Uh, examples, My Father's World, um, Classical Conversations, uh, and uh, uh, the, the one that's not yet available is Freedom Project Academy, which is a virtual school. So it's a mixed bag. Um, mm -hmm. There's still a lot of confusion over the implementation of, of the la House Bill 1, which is the school uh, choice bill from last. Um, it, you know, there's been so many uh, parents get their kids to use that House Bill 1 to get out of government schools. Uh, that has really kind of overwhelmed uh, the uh, organization called Step Up that, that administers those. And in our view, that's a, that's a mixed bag. We clearly want to see parents opt out of the government schools, but having just one organization handle all that, uh, it gets pretty uh, bureaucratic. So we need to, one of the things we're working on is expanding the number mm. of, of what's called student funding organizations like step up so it's just not one one organization uh handling all of that oh that makes sense you don't want to, to stop people because of the paperwork and uh what's interesting to me i think i read that there's tens of thousands of kids now uh through their parents that have applied for these scholarships yeah I, I, actually i i'm told that the, the total number is approaching a half million across the state up from about 200 plus thousand last year uh, don't quote me precisely on those numbers, but right. it's significant. I just saw uh, I just saw last week that Sarasota County put a freeze in place on hiring because uh, uh, they're losing so many kids to, uh, to to this House Bill One, uh, you know, school choice. So yeah. I think that's going to happen across the uh, across the state. Uh, unfortunately, our Collier County School Board still thinks they're <laughs> that's not going to happen. So they're still. Uh, investing heavily with your tax dollars. Interesting. I, Keith, you're doing great work. Just generally appreciate the work of the Florida Citizens Alliance. 
Uh, again, starting a decade ago and getting so much traction and doing so much good in, with our legislators and governor in Tallahassee. The website is goflca.com or org. Goflca.org. Keith, always appreciate your commentary and your hard work. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob. You and your listeners have a great week. Rest of your week and weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. We get the politics. Uh, I don't know why that's doing that. We're going to have to figure it out in any any event. uh, They know the politics. Uh, They also uh, prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in state legislatures and also in the federal government. You can find out more by visiting the very robust website, TheFGA.org, TheFGA.org. Well, the Biden administration is drafting a $100 billion foreign aid package that includes assistance for Israel as well as other top security priorities, according to two people familiar with the details. Details on the spending request are still being finalized ahead of the official request sent to the, by the White House to Congress this week. One person told ABC News that the bulk of the assistance will likely go to Ukraine, while others also say that it included uh, $10 billion for Israel. Uh, 
The official spoke on the condition of anonymity, of course, in order to discuss details that hadn't been announced yet by the White House. So the way it's breaking down, I think, is about $10 billion for Israel and about $90 billion for Ukraine. Now, what's interesting about this, of course, is there's no Speaker of the House and, uh, of course, the House of Representatives has the purse strings on the federal government, so there's no way that this can be approved until a speaker is in place. Some talk about taking uh, McHenry, and uh, who currently has only the power to elect the next speaker, to expand his powers until a speaker can get in place uh, so they can continue the legislative process. But uh, it's so interesting right now because uh, Biden's probably not going to be able to keep his, uh, keep his promises to these foreign leaders. Uh, the, and again, we don't have the money, $33 trillion in debt. And uh, again, he's planning on sending even more money. And of course, you heard just in the last segment about <clears throat> the money that's been uh, allocated because of uh, lobbyists at, uh, it, on K Street who are trying to influence uh, the amount of money that's given to, for example, Ukraine. Just unacceptable. Well, this is a disturbing story. The Persian Gulf state of Qatar, or Qatar, uh, which has been reportedly given support, safe haven to Hamas leaders and empowered websites to flourish that promote anti-Israel sentiments, has invested hundreds of millions of dollars in recent years shaping U.S. opinion in the American ed- education curriculum. Now, this is according to a lobbying donation records reviewed by Just the News, which, by the way, if you haven't followed Just the News, uh, it's a great w- website and very uh, balanced reporting of the news. Since at least 2016, Qatar, I'll call it Qatar, has spent $77 billion hiring 29 foreign registered agents to influence U.S. policy, one of the largest lobbying fleets among the uh, Middle Eastern countries, according to the Justice Department Foreign Agent Registration Act database. That database shows that some of Washington, D.C.'s most powerful and influential law firms and public relations outfits have taken millions of dollars to promote Qatar's interests, including Holland and Knight and Mercury Public Affairs, LLC. The country's handed out about $1.6 billion since June 2020. That's a lot of money, $1.6 billion in just the last three years and $5.4 billion in total under Section 117 of the Higher Education Act of 1965. In donations and contacts to American universities ranging from Harvard to George Washington University, according to Higher Education Gifts and Contracts Database, uh, this massive outlay experts say, helps to explain how a new generation of young Americans had developed decidedly pro-Palestinian sympathies after generations of staunch U.S. support for Israel. So there's the connection there. If you see that all this money is coming in from uh, Qatar, Qatar, by the way, is putting these uh, leaders of Hamas up in five-star hotels in Qatar and uh, then providing $5.4 billion in total under Sections 117 and Higher Education Act. So they're doing this in order to influence. It's no wonder that we have uh, young people in universities uh, rallying to support Hamas. Makes no sense whatsoever. Biden administration's reticence to demand the Qatar stop harboring terrorists is that the country has been vital to administration's diplomatic efforts with Iran, most recently in the hostage negotiations where the U.S. agreed to unfreeze $6 billion for Islamic theocracy. Uh, Qatar was... uh, set to allow Iran 
to access funds held in the country, but after Hamas attacks agreed to prevent access in conjunction with the U.S. Department of Treasury. So the money right now, I think it's about $6 billion, is being held by Qatar in a separate account and will not be available to Hamas or to Iran until these issues are resolved. Other Arab partners of the United States, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, in particular, have carried out similar lobbying and expenditure campaigns to influence U.S. policy while taking ambiguous public positions against Hamas terrorism, refusing to condemn it outright but calling for all sides to de-escalate the violence. Saudi Arabia, for example, released a statement expressing its unwavering stance in standing up for Palestinian cause, according to Reuters. After the attacks, the Saudis also suspended negotiations with Israel to normalize ties that were backed by the United States and instead began to re-engage with Iran, according to the reports by Reuters. So you can see that uh, just last week I reported that uh, the, right, the United States and Saudi Arabia were going to cement relations and uh, create uh, mutual support packs. And now this is, this is uh, going to be, there's going to be distancing between the United States. In fact, uh, you know, the President of the United States was uh, scheduled to meet with the heads of uh, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, other countries uh, in the Middle East, and uh, they canceled the meeting while he was on the plane to, uh, to Israel. It's just amazing stuff. Well, a major law firm has rescinded its offer of employment to three students at Harvard and Columbia Law Schools who endorsed statements that blamed Israel for a series of terrorist attacks by Hamas. The law firm Davis Polk notified employees in an internal email that the firm had withdrawn job offers to three students from Harvard and Columbia who had signed statements that blamed Israel government for the attacks by Hamas. The Columbia statement uh, uh, went further and said that the attacks were justified acts of resistance. These statements are simply contrary to our firm's values and thus concluded that rescinding these offers was appropriate in holding our responsibility to uh, provide a safe and inclusive work environment for all Davis Polk employees, the firm said in an email to employees. This is just another example of uh, consequences for the actions. You know, that students uh, rebel or have protests, carrying signs saying we support Hamas. Well, there's real consequences. The consequence of that, of course, is with uh, uh, photos and uh, videotapes and uh, the way that things can get circulated right now. People know who's uh, protesting and what's going on. And uh, these firms saying we just don't want people who support Hamas on our payroll. We don't want them representing us. So uh, the consequence is these young people had good jobs with good law firms, probably did quite well in school, and uh, they lost their opportunity. They'll probably have other opportunities, but irrespective, great to see consequences. This is kind of like the consequences in the Bud Light uh, debacle. Uh, Losing support because you're making stupid mistakes. People need to understand in business uh, that uh, they they could be held accountable. And now students are finding that out, the same thing. There is accountability for what you do. Well, about 100 pro-Palestinian insurrectionists occupied the Federal House Office building in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, chanting, Cease fire now and let Gaza live. The insurrectionists, many of whom wore masks and dresses in black and flew a banner demanding that Israel stop defending itself from rocket attacks. 
against civilians occupied the ground floor of the Cannon Office Building, one of three main buildings where congressional staff and lawmakers work. Representative Rashida Tlaib was leading the protest. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene was on the scene and noted a double standard between the pro-Palestinian insurrectionists and the protesters on January 6th. There's an insurrection happening now on the Capitol Hill. Her video caption read, these are, they are claiming they want peace, but they uh, want money to go to terrorists. So again, back to the double standard. We know that some of these people in the January 6th were caught up to 18 years for minor infractions of the law. Now, what's going to happen with these people? Well, my guess is they're going to be let go free. They were arrested, but my guess is there's going to be no charges and they'll end up uh, walking free. Again, the double standard of uh, law enforcement is just unacceptable here in the United States. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education and a liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
I'm talking here, and uh, of course you can't hear me because I failed to turn up <laughs> my microphone, but irrespective. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at uh, Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. I hope you'll visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. You get uh, tickets for some great performances coming up again, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Well, the U.S. Immigration Enforcement Agency hired a former spokeswoman for the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO, and put her in a position to determine who gets to come into the country as an immigrant or asylum seeker. Now the Department of Homeland Security officers repeatedly posting pictures of Hamas terrorists parachuting in with guns and writing, F Israel, and any Jew who supports Israel. That according to a Daily Wire investigation. Uh, Nedwa Ali uh, worked in the 2016 and 17 as a public affairs officer for the Palestinian delegation to the U.S., which, uh, according to its own website, serves as a PLO office in D.C. The office was expelled from the country by the Trump administration, but Ali landed on her feet, according to a screenshot of her LinkedIn profile, securing a job at Department of Homeland Security as an asylum officer where she was tasked with applying immigration laws and regulations to asylum applications. Have you heard of anything so absurd in your life as to have a former member of the Palestinian Liberation Organization and representing the office in Washington, D.C., become an officer in the Department of Homeland Security? It's just totally unacceptable. Well, since 2016, the North Atlantic whale population has seen unusually high mortality levels. Some conservationists say that the reason is offshore wind and complain about the industry is getting a free pass. In the past several years, whales in the North Atlantic, uh, northern Atlantic are dying at increased rates. While there's no definitive proof of what's causing the whales to die, some experts in animal conversation believe the offshore wind developments are the reason. And, of course, we're talking about these big windmills. The problem, they say, is being ignored by many environmentalists and the government agencies. Lisa Lenawis, co-founder of the Save Right Whales Coalition, believes the offshore wind developments are causing the deaths and environmentalists at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, are ignoring how offshore wind developments may be the cause of our favoritism towards the industry. We're hoping that the public knowledge and awareness will start to get NOAA to ask questions but we're kind of in a weird world right now where they don't even seem to be interested. Uh, according to uh, data from NOAA, in 2015, 33 whales were found dead on the beaches between North Carolina and Maine. The following year, the number jumped to 54, and in 2017, 89 whales were found dead. The number then began to decline, falling to a record low of 24 in 2022. Then in the first six months of 2023, 48 whales were found dead along the Atlantic coast. The trend has raised concerns among many marine and wildlife conservationists. And in an article last October, I should say April, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, a global nonprofit dedicated to protecting ocean wildlife, said there are fewer than 340 North Atlantic right whales alive, which makes them one of the most critically endangered species in the world. The article suggests the cause of the increased whale deaths may be entanglements in fishing gear, collisions with watercraft, or global warming. The article makes no mention of offshore wind. Well, NOAA, which is responsible for the regulatory process that ensures energy projects comply with marine animal protection laws, states there's no scientifically proven links between the deaths of whales and the development of offshore wind.
absurd. It's trying to determine the cause of the whale deaths, and uh, the Conservation Coalition began looking at charts of ocean traffic. Prior to 2016, the main traffic was closed to coast, and now said now, and mainly consisted of pleasure craft and fishing operations. There were also commercial shipping, but those vessels were isolated into specific lanes. What changed in 2016, she said, is an increase in traffic from the sonar ships of the wind developers, which use sound to penetrate the seabed and assess subsurface geological conditions. When you look at these wind uh, lease areas, you see it's a very uh, regular pattern. Basically, they're conducting sonar studies, and which means that it, uh, they're just firing loud sonar blasts. Now, these, these animals, these whales, they use sonar in order to uh, determine direction, to communicate for a variety of uh, reasons. And uh, it's pretty evident to me that there's a clear linkage between what's happening with the whales. They're dying. And why are they dying? Well, I think it's because of projects uh, like uh, wind, uh, the wind farms that are being uh, put up around the United States. And, you know, by the way, it's a, they're the Cuisinarts. They're killing birds as well with those, uh, with those shafts that are spinning around. Birds get caught in them and they get uh, chopped up. So uh, it's, it's really bad news. This whole program of alternative energy, and I'm talking about windmills and sunbeams, is, is a real loser, and it's a loser for the American people. Energy costs are soaring, and why? Because we have alternative energy programs in place, like, uh, again, uh, windmills and sunbeams. Unacceptable. So we ought to do something about it. There should at least be an investigation, a scientific investigation, into what's uh, causing this nonsense. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting, well, actually, uh, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show, on the Bob Harden Broadcasting I'm going to try and click this to see if it makes a difference. No, it doesn't. Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just to mention that the Blue Provence is not going to be, the sale did not go through, so the uh, Cario family will continue to, uh, and I don't know why we're getting automatically peed on these commercials, but nevertheless, <laughs> I'll get that figured out after the show. So uh, Blue Provence is not being sold. It's going to stay in the Cario family. And to me, uh, that's good news. So I just wanted you to be aware of that continuous service. Also, on the dining front, uh, Blue Pro- I should say uh, uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center serving that's dinner great. Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. Great menu, great value. And uh, visit Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be back, Bob. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank here in Washington, D.C., which means that we advocate uh, maximum freedom in all areas of human endeavor, letting you live your life how you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. And Bob, let me tell you, it is an uphill slog. <laughs> it seems like a very simple conflict con- concept, and everybody should buy into it, but uh, you're absolutely right. Everybody's kind of sticking their nose in other people's business, and we have the, the mess that we have right now. So, oh, by the way, the website is cato.org, C-A-T-O-T-O.org, C-A-T-O.org. Uh, Michael, you just uh, have a new book coming out. It's called uh, Recovery. And uh, one of the things you're, we're talking about here is the uh, cost of uh, contributions for employer, for, uh, em- employer plans. Uh, I'm talking about health care and health insurance. I wonder if you could comment. Sure. So uh, what has happened uh, as a result of Congress, a mistake Congress made 100 years ago, which was passing the income tax, uh, is that uh, the way the Treasury Department implemented that law and uh, implemented that tax and uh, what, what, how Congress ratified the Treasury Department's mistake is a situation where if your employer pays you $20,000 in cash, then uh, you're, that is subject to the income tax. But if your employer pays you $20,000 in health insurance, it's not. Yeah. So if you want to take that $20,000 and buy your own health insurance and make your own health decisions, the government penalizes you with a lower after-tax income. You have to pay more in taxes. But if you let your employer make those decisions, and let your employer control that money, then uh, the, then Congress doesn't penalize you. And in order to avoid that penalty, nine out of ten people with private insurance, or which is more than half of the U.S. population, ends up in employer-sponsored insurance, which is really lousy insurance when you think about it. I mean, uh, insurance that disappears when you change jobs. Yeah, no one would buy auto insurance that did that. No one would buy homeowners insurance that did that. And it's even more important that that not happen with your health insurance, and yet 
the government crowds us all into uh, these plans. And what came out yesterday, and this is something that I talk about in the book, is some new numbers on the uh, uh, amount of money that employers are controlling, yeah. the amount of money, uh, the amount of their workers' money that employers are controlling. It rose to about twenty four thousand dollars yeah. per worker with family coverage last year from about twenty two thousand. So it was a big jump. And the and that's the total premium. Workers don't see that. Workers only pay about seven thousand dollars directly. But the other seventeen thousand dollars is their money. It's money that the employer never puts in their paycheck, so they never see it. The employer just pays it directly to the insurance company. And one of the worst parts of this bizarre historical accident that came about from Congress creating the income tax. <clears throat> is there's this huge chunk of workers' compensation that the workers don't even know, almost don't even know is there, much less know how much it is because uh, the the tax code so effectively hides it from them. And that amount is growing and growing. It was, last year was $15,000, this year $17,000 is going to keep on growing and workers are going to, the tax code is going to deny workers control of more and more of their earnings over time until Congress changes it. And it is appalling. I, I was shocked to see, and you had sent me a, a chart that showed the the rise, and I think it started in 2016, maybe 19, I've forgotten, but from 5000 total cost for a, a family health insurance to $25,000 this year. I mean, the, the escalation of the cost of uh, health insurance has just been amazing. And that is employer-sponsored insurance. Yeah. Uh, the premiums for what we call the individual market, which is where consumers buy insurance directly from insurance companies, those have been rising even more dramatically. But the reason is the same in both cases. The reason is government regulation and government distorting uh, people's uh, incentives and the after-tax prices of the relative after-tax prices of insurance uh, versus employer-sponsored insurance versus paying for health care directly. And, we wonder why healthcare is in a crisis in the United States. Why there are tens of millions of people who can't afford the can't afford health insurance, don't have it, um, and why even people with health insurance are struggling to pay their medical bills. It's because of all of these policies that the government acts, usually, often with good intentions, uh, but uh, always with the goal of either reducing the cost of care or increasing the quality of care and. As I talk about in recovery, uh, my new book, invariably those policies have the opposite effect. Absolutely. I I just wonder if you take that $25,000, and it's true now the employee is paying $7,000 in a family plan, but what if uh, the employee received the entire $25,000? Do you think they'd make some different decisions, and would there be a better outcome in terms of costs and quality for the consumer if it's more patient-centric? So the first thing that I think would happen is workers would buy less health insurance than they do now, and that would be a good thing. Hmm. Because when you distort people's incentives the way the tax code does, it encourages them to buy excessive insurance. Excessive insurance means they don't care about prices as much because they're not the ones paying uh, as often. And so prices go up, and that makes people demand more health insurance and lather, rinse, repeat. If people controlled that $24,000 themselves, they would buy less insurance, and 
tens of millions or a hundred million people would buy less insurance. They'd be paying more often for their medical care out of pocket, and that would bring a lot more price sensitivity to the market and price competition. And we would see prices plummet, Bob. We would see prices fall dramatically. And we've seen this in experiments that employers have run that, that prices can fall very quickly in a very short amount of time, which is the most important thing if you want universal health care is to get those prices down. Now, uh, anytime you try to ref- make, do reforms in this direction, the f- first people to show up to complain and say we can't do that is the industry because they don't want prices to come down. Yeah, That means less income for them. And I can't blame them. My, my, my salary is the price I put on my labor. I don't want that to go down. Right. I don't think you want your pay to go down, Bob. No. But if we want to make healthcare more universal, we have to let market forces drive down those prices to bring healthcare within the reach of people who cannot afford it today. Couldn't agree more, Michael. And uh, qu- quite frankly, if, if you had, people had health savings accounts, and I would personally choose a catastrophic health care plan with a large deductible so that uh, c- catastrophic things that may happen in my family, we, we could be able to uh, take care of. The uh, uh, deductible would be high, but that would be okay because I would have a health savings account to help uh, take care of some of those costs. So, uh, And I would have guessed the cost of insurance would go from uh, thousands, well, to many, many thousands, to a few thousand in order to get a catastrophic plan. Imagine your employer gives you that $24,000 and the IRS doesn't tax it yeah. as it would today. You wouldn't have to buy a $24,000 policy. You could buy a $20,000 policy or a $10,000 policy with a very high deductible. And that means you could have $14,000 to put in the HSA if you're if you are like most people and you're careful about how you spend it, most of that will be there next year and you can add to it. It will grow so that if you do have a catastrophic medical episode where you have to meet a very high deductible, maybe $10,000, $20,000. I know someone with a $25,000 deductible. I'm not sure it's legal, so I won't name him. Uh, <laughs> then, then you'll have the money to do that and because you'd be spending out of pocket for so much more medical care, the whole health sector would have to be more responsive to you than it is right now. Because it's not right now because 90% of the money that providers get in this country comes from someone other than the patient. It comes from an employer or an insurance company or more often the government. And when you give... uh, when someone other than the patient controls that much of the money, the, the system does not orient itself toward the needs of patients. It orients itself toward the needs of employers, insurance companies, and the government, which, by the way, the industry then captures and gets to control and uh, use toward its own to protect itself yeah. from higher quality, lower cost competitors. The name of the book is... Uh... Let me check here. Recovery. <laughs> Recovery. To reforming the U.S. health sector. Uh, and you can go. Can, can you get a copy at the website, Cato.org? Yes, it can, or at Amazon.com. Okay, Cato. Uh, Recovery is the name of the book by Michael Cannon. Uh, great ideas, Michael. I couldn't agree more. I think it did, it, I, I think we could probably do the same thing with Medicare and uh, just give the money to the uh, to the recipient instead of the, the the protection and allow them to make their own decisions with regard to uh, their health insurance. 
Michael, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Audio is back. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure indeed. Again, Cato.org is the website. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow's show as well. I hope you enjoyed the show. I appreciate your listening, and I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.